Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben. And I'm Hector. How are you, Hector? I'm doing good, man. It is a, uh, it is a pretty incredible week. Um, there is a whole lot going on in the music scene here locally. Um, it, it just seems like everyone's exploding right now, man. Absolutely. You, know, uh, you got Sierra Lane's dropping a, a new uh, single here shortly. Yep. Um, Joey, Joey Calderio and countless other local bands on the Sunfest circuit um, yeah. for this year. Um, and actually, I was noticing, I saw Joey was... Uh, Posting that he was uh, on the on the uh, list or whatever for Sunfest, you know, on the schedule, and I I, I took a, a little gander at the schedule, and and he's not even like on a side stage or anything, man. He's like he's like legit, like on a Friday night, seven p.m. Well, on the Ford stage. It. He's good, a hundred percent. He deserves it. But I'm just saying, like that's you know, usually you don't see that at Sunfest. I was no, happy, you're I was right. Ha- I was happy to see that they really picked up a lot of locals. This yeah, year, they got so. Joey Calderero, Article Sound System, yeah. and uh, Rogue Theory, Public Sounds. Yeah. They're sick. And Matt Brown. So yeah. a whole bunch of yeah. local people. Yeah, absolutely. So mad props to all those guys. Uh, congratulations for uh, getting on Sunfest. Yeah, no, I'm and, not going to uh, lie. I'm a little jealous. <clears throat> oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but speaking of festivals, you know, uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up in, in April, the uh, 561 Music Festival. Yeah. You know? So uh, anybody who has not heard of that, uh, you uh, you live under a rock because we've been talking about it for a while now yeah so, totally but, um, um, huge, we, yeah tell them all about it huge, who's playing it yeah huge lineup uh, if you want to pull up the lineup uh, yeah. in the meantime and uh, you know there's there's uh, tickets tickets are online uh, uh, 561musicfestival.com um, tickets are $10 uh, it, it doesn't get any cheaper than that it's 20, 20 local amazing bands and artists um, for ten dollars, it's an all-day thing. It's at Matthews Brewing Company, so uh, mad props to Matthews for uh, for uh, hosting. And yeah, um, yeah and uh, you can do uh, you can do a twenty-five dollar ticket, which will actually include a T-shirt, so you get a little bit of a discount there. Um, and uh, if you are so inclined and you own a business and you want to sponsor, uh, we uh, we are still looking for some sponsors. Uh, we do have some amazing sponsors so far. We have some in-kind sponsors, Easy Tees is supplying T-shirts for us. Uh, live music community who who does so much for us and for this podcast, you know, yep. the studio we're sitting in now. And Justin, um, we have uh, um, Harmony uh, Management. Yeah, Harmony Management. Yeah, Harmony right. Management. Um, our uh, our good friend Mary. She uh, she is uh, sponsoring us at the at the uh, tier one level. Cool. Um, we've got uh, Back Savers, uh, which we'll talk about a little in a little bit, uh, sponsoring us at the tier three level. So I mean, there's there's a bunch of people getting involved. There's you know a bunch of stuff going on, and and uh, and it's pretty exciting stuff, man. But this is going to have uh, Spread the Dub, Sierra Lane, Sons of a Tradesman, No Name Ska Band, Bryce Allen Band, Victoria Lee, Joey Caldereo, uh, BFD, The Shake. Uh, Jake Walden, Sandman Sleeps, Fall Victim, Jacob Tacos, Micah Scott, Ben Childs, Dominic Delaney, Josh Miles, Alyssa Kuhn, Fox Maple, and Paper Carcass. I mean, you know, twenty bands for ten bucks. It doesn't. You can't go wrong. So no, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to yeah. be such an awesome day. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited that we're, we're taking this podcast to a little bit of a next level and doing a doing doing exactly what we said we were going to set out to do, and you know, getting local music scene. You know, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be one of the last gigs that No Name Scar Band ever plays. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bittersweet for me on that front. But, yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We were really lucky with that band, actually. Um, you know, Matt said he was moving away and, and then we uh, tried to figure out, you know, to play some good shows. And now we are playing some great shows. Um, if anyone wants to come and see No Name Scar Band play at um, 
at uh, the culture room with less than Jake on Friday, then you guys should come. That's this Friday, right? That's this Friday. Yeah, yeah so on Friday. So if you're hearing our voices right now, it's probably Friday. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's not any tickets left because it's the 30th, 30th anniversary of, uh, of less than Jake's. So it's going to be a sick show. Yeah, awesome, awesome, man. Awesome. So what else is going on? How are you doing, man? You had a bit of a tragedy happen to you last week, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost, uh, we lost one of our puppies last week, man. So it was, uh, it was rough. That was yeah. rough. That's the first time. About yeah, that, dude. Uh, I mean, we've we've had animals over the years, but like that was that was the first time we've we've lost a, an animal. So and it was a little bit sudden. I mean, she was, she's a small dog, and I guess they are supposed to, you know, supposed to live considerably longer than the larger dogs um, yeah she was so i mean she wasn't young but she was she was gonna be 12 uh monday right. and uh no no inkling or sign that anything was wrong and then she just had a heart failure problem you know? oh, yeah so I'm it was sorry. like like literally like one day the next so that is what it is gotta move on so yeah, yeah. and when you know when your kids are the age that your kids are it's difficult because yeah. it's almost it'll it's almost like the dog represents a period of their lives. You know sure. I mean? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, it was definitely a gut punch to my kids. So yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry about that, man. Yeah, man. It sucks. Well, we're lucky enough to have um, in order Hatchet, Vern, and Kobe from Switch and Whiskey here with us today. How's it going, guys? Good. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for coming, man. It's it's a real honor. Um, if, going from this way to that way, what, what do you guys? Uh, what do you all play? In the band, uh, I play uh, bass and do uh, backing vocals. Okay, I sing and I play guitar. Cool, and I'm guitar. Good stuff. All right. Um, so, how many others are you? Is that just just a drummer? <clears throat> just yeah, one more drummer. Yeah, cool. What's his name? Eric. All right, big up Eric. Sorry, couldn't be here today. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, what I usually do is ask some general questions to just get an idea of how you guys got into music and um, and just your journey through life and how music fitted in, into that. And um, I guess we'll just go in order. And I'll ask you, Hatchet. Um, when you were young, how did you uh, how did you first get into music? Um, well, in uh, in fourth grade, I uh, I actually I, I started playing cello. Yeah, and that's probably uh, explains the origin of my bass playing. Sure, and um, I did that for about a year and a half, and I I really enjoyed it. Can you um, still play it? And, and no, I I do not. And the reason I the reason I I haven't gone back to it is because uh, <laughs> I guess I guess I was I felt like I was always meant to play an electric bass because I I do remember being in the orchestra room. And uh, I would flip my cello on its side. Oh yeah! And I would start, and I would start jamming out. And I got scolded more than once by the teacher, saying, "We right. don't treat our instruments like that. We are, you know, aspire to a higher professional standard." And I'm like, "I just want to rock." You know what I mean? Oh so, yeah! So it's I always I, in your bones. I, I did that, and then I moved on. I played saxophone for a year. Yeah, Unfortunately, I got I, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm a string guy. That's what I learned out of that. Uh, yeah. Very difficult instrument. Um, but the reason I, I kind of left music at that point was I got kicked out of band basically because, uh, they caught me memorizing the music. Right. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't learn it. And then finally I just, I just in fifth grade, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. Right. Uh, years later I, uh, graduated college and, uh, I graduated, you know, with my undergrad and I was going in to do my master's degree and I was going to be doing my master's degree from home. Yeah. This is back in like 2008, 2009. And, uh, I decided, you know, I kind of want a little bit of a, a hobby. And I thought to myself, let me go and pick up you know a bass guitar because i played cello when i was younger and i kind of know what where to start and where to yeah, go from here sure. and so 
and it really uh, makes a difference doesn't it like having like an early musical education just a little bit of a foundation you know yeah and it was weird actually picking it up for the first time because i'm like i'm like oh here's g and here's c and i remember to do i remember this and i remember that you know what i mean even after all those years and not having i didn't touch anything for years for all those years so yeah going back to that and then uh well a bunch of time passed and now here i am <laughs> did your parents <laughs> listen to music Yes, they did. Uh, I grew up, obviously, like my mom was, uh, you know, always listening to the radio, um, you know, things like Rod Stewart and right. uh, a lot of a lot of the solid gold oldies, mm-hmm. you know, the doo-wop music my mom would would listen to in the car. And so, so I was exposed to that. And my dad, uh, you know, definitely got me started on all the essentials, the Pink Floyd, the Stones, right, yes. you know, Allman Brothers, things like that. And I was exposed to that. And as as I became more into music, I started discovering, you know, uh, you know, more heavy 70s and 80s rock. And that ended up kind of turning me into the musician and the influences that I have today, like my favorite band being Iron Maiden. So, right. Yeah. So that was that was eventually where I landed. That ended up being my bread and butter. Nice. Yeah. Cool. British metal. Uh absolutely <laughs> i new, love the w- new wave of british heavy metal. <laughs> oh yeah i love the way that um that, that there's like no frills the guitar is tuned to e you know every <laughs> one song on every album they have a drop d yeah yep, exactly <laughs> and and fantastic guitar harmonies it seems yeah, to be like it seems to be a, a staple of that that genre yeah definitely despite um despite my kind of slight political differences with bruce, bruce dickinson i have to say that um they're, you know they're they're an awesome band on there. <laughs> yeah, they are. They've definitely uh, in in a lot of ways. I think they've they've ascended to kind of what bands like Skinnerd and uh, the Stones and they go. They became more than a band at a certain point, and they became their own institution. Yeah, and I and I think that that they kind of just continuously just being them. I think that's that's like the essence of of rock and roll is just kind of just doing you. Yeah, and and hoping that fans. Uh, come along for the ride and i like you speak about bruce dickinson he made a uh he made a really great analogy recently where he said our fans are like plywood there's many many different layers and they just keep building as time goes on oh cool and and i thought that that was cool because uh all those bands kiss the stones uh leonard skinner they've all had uh success garnering uh, fans from multiple generations. Yeah. Now, when you go to those shows, it's all it's grandparents and sure. their kids and sure. their grandchildren. I'm having a little bit of a senior moment right now. What's the drama called again? He's, uh, oh, uh, Nico McBride. Yeah, he lives around here, doesn't he? He lives in Boca. Yeah, I mean. yeah he lives down in, in Boca, and he has uh, he owns uh, Rock and Ribs. Have you ever yeah. met him? I, I met him briefly. Right. I haven't. Yeah, yeah. He was. I, he always does a um, a thing every December where they celebrate the. The opening of Rock and Ribs, right? Okay. Yeah. So he hasn't done it the last couple of years, obviously, but I think this year he'll probably be doing it. But have you ever met that guy Patrick Johansson? You know that guy? I know Patrick very well. Yeah, because yeah. he's yeah he knows him, doesn't he? He's <laughs> yeah, always hanging yeah. around with those guys. He's cool, man. He's awesome, a funny guy. Awesome guy. Great drummer. Yeah, isn't he ever? Yeah, yeah uh, I've I've had my adventures with Patrick. He he actually played drums with Kilbillies one time. If you can imagine that. Yeah, he, <laughs> and he almost played <laughs> and he almost played drums with us one time. So oh, so yeah. go cool. figure on that one. Yeah, yeah he's an insane drummer. Man. Yeah, yeah, so good. It's yeah. unbelievable. I played with him uh, the the one time I met him. I played with him at a at an open mic at uh, I think it was Connolly's, and um, never met him before. And, uh, a friend of mine was playing guitar. I was playing bass, and and we got up. They called us up to to come do a little jam or whatever. So we got up, and we needed a drummer. And they were like, "Oh, you know, Patrick will get up with 
I don't even know what we were playing. We were playing like um, like three doors down or something, you know, something, you know, whatever. And and he's back there with the double bass, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't was, mention the double bass, uh, I was going to be like, you didn't play with Patrick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was absolutely amazing and scary all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. He's brutal. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's we ridiculous. were playing all, exactly. We were playing all these kind of like. Uh, Sort of Irish tunes and stuff, exactly. And he's there, like spinning the sticks, like it's an eighties <laughs> metal show, man. It was, it was cool, brilliant. Love the guy. Um, I helped him do some video stuff, and you know, because we both used to work together at School of Rock back in the day, and so I got to know him pretty well. He's a nice guy. Um, anyhow, Vern, how did you find yourself getting into music? Well, um, I come from a musical family. Yeah, you know, my yeah, brother. Tell us my, a bit about that. My dad played, and. I wanted to start playing something when I was about six or seven. So my mom got me a set of bongos okay. and drumsticks. Oh, cool. Because they didn't want to get me a full kit back then. Sure. Just try them out with some bongos, you know. So I would just jam the bongos along to like CCR and Queen and that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. So I knew exactly. I figured out where the two and the four is. You know, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew where the snare should be and all that stuff. So that, that yeah. was pretty cool. and. And then when I was about 14, I got my first drum kit. Okay. And, yeah, then it just consumed me. Yeah, you know, man. Totally. And I went to music school, um, studied drums. That was my major. Oh, right. Well, like um, university, like college. Yeah, like a college. Yeah, cool. I did the music degree as well. Where did you do it? Uh, National School of Arts in Johannesburg, South Africa. Oh, right. How long yeah. have you been over here? Uh, just over two years. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this has all happened with the band pretty recently. I, I, yeah, that's amazing. That's cool. I didn't realize it was such a. Uh, I didn't realize you guys were so fresh. That's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't look fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. When your parents were listening to music and stuff, what 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 was the kind of early? What were the early influences you used? Definitely for me, uh, CCR, right? Um, Queen, Elton yeah. John, right? Um, Buddy Holly, yeah, you know, yeah, lots of Buddy Holly, yeah, so, man, yeah, that kind of stuff. And yeah, cool. cool. Um, so, when it comes to like music in South Africa, are there are there bands over there that um, is there a kind of comparable music scene, or is it more sort of the American bands? Um, there are definitely fans of American and British music over there. Yeah. You know, it's also big over there. the The local scene, unfortunately, there's not much of a scene at the moment. Right. You know, there wasn't a scene before COVID. wasn't much of a scene before COVID. Yeah. And now, post COVID, it's even worse. You know. So yeah, it's really it's it's sad. Yeah, I hear you, man. That is sad. Um, so wh when was the switch from drums? Um, I always I just picked up guitar along the way, you know, along the journey. Started playing guitar. My brother taught me a couple of things, and I, I really love playing guitar. You know. Yeah. And then I was I was playing in a bunch of band, doing session work as a drummer, and oh, cool. You know, playing for R and B acts and stuff, and right. Uh, but I also wanted to start like a cover band where I sing and play guitar. Yeah. So, and then that took over, you know. I like being in front with the guitar, you know. Yeah, that's, man, I hear you. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I do for a living. I can relate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the journey my uh, my son Gavin's taken right now. He's uh, uh, he, he learned here at Live, Live Music uh, Community, and, and he's, I guess he's about 18 now, and he's, He's been playing, you know, eight or nine years now. Um, ridiculously sick drummer. I mean, he's really good. And um, somewhere in the last year, like really, really, it was about like COVID and stuff. He was, you know, sitting at home and he picked up one of my guitars and was like noodling. And you know, fast forward to now, and 
you know, he he still enjoys playing drums, and he wouldn't mind playing drums in a band, but he he wants to he wants to front a band and sing yeah. and play. Like he's trying to work on his vocals. He's, try, he's trying to work on his guitar. He's like, I just feel like I'm more free and I could do more out front instead of behind the kit. Well, so. I, you know, that's I think it's definitely uh, all. I feel like a lot of drummers aspire to be guitarists, you know, and get a lot of guitarists yeah. a little bit jealous of the I drummers. Call, too. I call it Dave Dave Grohl syndrome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's really funny. It's hilarious. So, what prompted the move? How did you find yourself here? Um, these guys, right? Really? Yeah, yeah they imported me. And oh, they wow. Found me on Wish. That's super cool. <laughs> Tinder. Um, <laughs> make, make a wish. Make a wish, right? Um, <laughs> um, no, they they, Found you on Christian they were looking for some, something. They had a vision, right? You know, they were looking for the right puzzle piece. Okay. So I don't know which one listened to my music first. You know, my solo albums, and they were like, "Oh, this." Well, it would be cool to get this guy. Yeah. But there's only one problem. He's in South Africa, you know? So yeah. That's so interesting. It was a very long process. I wasn't expecting that answer at all. I thought, I thought you know, you could come over some, for some other reason or work and then find and then something meet in the these band. guys. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was actually imported a really as cool a rock answer. Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. it, it, it was a really long process. And, you know, always be grateful for these guys that they waited for me, that they didn't get anybody else because it took almost three years because yeah. I wow. came over to meet them. Jam with him a little bit. Yeah. Then I went back, and then okay, how am I going to do this? Because it's really difficult to come to America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. Especially as an artist. Yeah. So, took me three years to sort out my visa stuff, save money, and all that, you know, bullshit. So, and then we ended up here. That's so awesome. I love that story. Um, Yeah. So when it comes to uh, your kind of early formative uh, musical uh, journey. How did you get into it? It's a lot like these guys. You know, I started when I was like, you know, five or six. I learned how to play the recorder. Then I didn't touch an instrument again until I was like 19. And uh, I was at a bar one time and I watched this guy, you know, lean back and take a lead. And I was like, wow, that's... Uh, I like that. No, I think I'm going to learn how to do that. He said <clears throat> chicks dig that. Yeah, like, that, that, that looks pretty uh, up my alley. And then I ended up getting into a bit of trouble, so I had to stay home for like a couple of years and wasn't really allowed to do much. So it was a really way to, good way to catch up for being a late bloomer <clears throat> in the music industry, you know, or the music scene. So sure. I got to catch up real quick in the two years. And then ever since then, it's just been got on stage as soon as I could, kept the ball rolling. Nice. And we just pushed through. You know, I met him... Uh, I left a band and ran into Chantos. They wanted me to come back and uh, play lead for the band because another friend was leaving. And then me and him got to talk, and we had very similar ideas of where we wanted to go with music. And like, well, hey, screw it. Let's, uh, let's give this a shot. Let's me and you start a band. And so we started building from there, and he found this guy. That guy found this guy. and That's great. We, uh, Are any of you... Uh kind of the de-, de facto sort of uh leader of the who who does the most kind of of the of the sort of clerical work and stuff I, like that i feel like well, he does most of the clerical work but we uh, all take our yeah own. we all we all divide it pretty evenly right but I, uh, yeah i guess if you wanted to define it as clerical or, yeah. or pr yeah. he's our, yeah, that's, he's that's, our clerk that's, that's <laughs> right. yes i'm a clerk <laughs> hey so, my master's degree in yeah. public administration had it to come somewhere off, in handy finally. so i do some budgeting for the band you yeah know? there yeah. you go yeah, yeah. cool yeah at, at this point with with killbillies we, we pretty much split most of the uh the duties you know but, but just because i've got some relationships with previous um venues and stuff like that i find myself yeah. doing a bit more of that i tend to take the, I distribute the money, but honestly, we're, we're you know when it comes to 
we all, all have these uh, sort of different roles, you know. Yeah. Like H- Hector does a lot of the art and the merch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, James um, is really helpful when it comes to like big picture stuff. Like he, the, sometimes I can't see the wood for the trees, and and I also kind of sell myself short. And James is really good at, at, at you know helping me see the direction we should go yeah, in. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's he's not you know he's not afraid of. Uh, a little bit of confrontation either. I am terrible with confrontation. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to have a couple of people like that around. I feel like you got to have that, that division of labor to a certain extent. I mean, especially if you're at this level and you know, you don't have a manager, Yeah, you know, no, you know, very few, unless you're, you know, a big signed artist, you know, that that they're able to kick back a little, you know what I mean? And obviously, obviously someone still has to do the business part of it, but well, we're fortunate enough that, I mean, the three of us are, are pretty savvy with a bunch of different things, and we and we do split it up. I mean, we are fortunate enough that we have Danielle doing, um, our friend Danielle, she does all of our social media stuff, and she comes at, like, I would say probably 75% of our shows, she comes to our shows and takes pictures, so there's always fresh content. I mean, Ben, ben actually made a comment one day, it was, it was just, it stuck with me, it was hilarious. He said, if I ever wake up one morning and I don't see a new picture of my face on Facebook, I'll think the world is ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's kind of the true, like every Every day, there's like I'm like, oh wow, that was cool. Like I was from that show or from this show. I know you get used to it a little bit. I'm worried. You know, we got to look after. Yeah. So shout out, (laughs) shout out to Danielle for our uh, amazing social media, and then we've got um, Mary doing a lot of our. kind of clerical as you said you know keeping track of our schedules and making sure that because ben does solo stuff and then ben and james do duo stuff and then the three of us do full band stuff and she keeps it all straight putting it on you know putting it on different people's calendars and stuff so you know when you're needed and you know when you can't book other stuff if we get other projects because you know that there's stuff going on or whatever like yeah she's real good about all that stuff so yeah so yeah man it's uh it's we're fortunate enough to have kind of a little it takes a a village a little team but yeah yeah it does man it does you don't Realize. I like that because that's the, the phrase from you know from like you know raising a child and I guess yeah, in many yeah, ways yeah. Exactly. a band a yeah. band kind of is you know well, like raising I, a I child. I mean even even just a local band like I don't think people realize like how much goes into it. It's not just you know it's not just like I went to a bar and played for three hours. Like everything that took to get to that point was crazy. Yeah, right. And you can run it like that, but you're just you know you're always going to be on the bottom rung money wise, and you know no one's right. going to show up. So mm-hmm. you know yeah right. to to get to, even just to the next rung is a lot of work you know? yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so um i'm curious about uh, your writing process but one of the things um i think people would be interested in is like when you play your three four hour gigs how much of that is original material well pretty much if we play three five uh, three to four hour gig we do about 40 songs or something yeah so seven or eight might be originals okay of that so we yeah. try to it depends. Sometimes we try to space them out evenly. Yeah. Sometimes we'll keep it to the last set and just blow them with some originals. Yeah. Know? It sounds pretty similar to the way we do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we sort of scatter them throughout the set usually. But then if something's coming up or if we've – like um, if we've got like a, a gig coming up and we want to just run the, the originals to kind of get them really tight yeah. for an original gig, well, yeah, you know, it, it, that the weekend before, we'll just the last set will just be the all originals. Original, you know yeah. yeah. We do that quite a lot. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like um, I was actually just having a conversation with, uh, with someone about this uh, about half an hour ago um, via text, but um, uh, um, and he was kind of arguing the other side. But um, the way I look at it is, you know, you, bands can do both, and it's actually a way of, you know, it's a way of being able to be a band. 
you know, just yeah. doing these three, four hour gigs. You get tighter. I mean, there is always the danger that you, you start kind of getting a bit complacent and leaning on the covers too much and lose sight mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, mm. but, you know, if you're careful, you know, you can, you, you can do both. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I think we've experienced a little bit of that where we've, we've heard from maybe some people in the industry. It's like, well, at a certain point, you have to choose. Like, are you, are, you a, are you a cover band or are you an original band? And it's like, it's like well, I, I always looked at it as we're an original band. Yeah. That happens to play, you know, some covers, and yeah. this is right. this is where, this is where we're at right now. Sure. And the bottom line is, is if we weren't playing the covers, we certainly wouldn't be out there doing what we're doing now. At least not to the extent we are. No, you and we wouldn't have the following we do. And that aside, didn't all these you know great bands, the Stones and Van Halen, they all started out basically as cover bands and the, i don't mean that in a yeah, derogatory the beatles, term. The beatles yeah. were a cover band right. yeah. i mean yeah. 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 let's be real yeah. about so this. i don't know where that started but it is interesting because I've, I've heard that before yeah there, there's i'm not going to say you know i'm not going to say that that the majority of people think that way but there is there is a community of musicians in in around here and i have to assume everywhere probably mm. that that does think like that and i i don't get that because i even with Killbillies, you know, we go out and we play these three-hour gigs or these four-hour gigs, and yeah, I mean, you know, three-fourths of it is is covers, but yeah. y- you have to do it. I mean, especially if like you guys are a fairly new band, you right. know, a couple of years in the running or something, you don't have fifteen albums, so you you can't do a three-hour gig if you didn't play covers. And so, right. you know, something's got to pay the bills. You know, while you're creating your craft, something has to support that and mm. that it, you know, support it so that it's not just a hobby. It's got to pay for the lap dances. And, and it keeps 100%. the chops up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playing three, four hours, it really keeps your chops up. Yeah. Sure. Which is you learning new covers every week or whatever. It's, it, it's good. Yeah, totally. Mm. And it's how, you know, if you want to live your life as a musician, uh, here in the situation we're in, we, there's not, the thing is, right, there's not a lot of places in the world that can support this many bands that play covers. And, you know, we're lucky to live here, I think. And and I, I think it can easily be overlooked that even though, sure, there's not like a ton of like 100% original bands playing everywhere, there are a ton of bands playing everywhere and most of them yeah. have originals. So, you know, yeah. I yeah. think it's cool, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually um, I actually think that the music scene down here is pretty good, you know. It certainly seems that way compared to some other places that I've seen musicians migrate from. Yeah. You know, uh, a a lot of bigger cities and they say that there's, you know, there's nothing there. I've heard it from musicians from L.A. and Chicago and New York City. They said it's not what it used to be, you know. And uh, Well, when I lived in Manchester, um, I found it very difficult to make money out of music Uh, that... There were things like there were cover bands and and like wedding bands and things like that, but they were really no one cared about bands that play covers at all. They were, and and it was really difficult to get anyone to pay you any money unless you were playing someone's wedding or something like that. And there just wasn't that much of a scene for it. Um, and there were a ton of original acts, but you know all of these people who were playing original music, they all had nine to five day jobs. Like none of them were like living it, you know. Right. And if they were, they were on the dole or like super poor, you know. Right. And and when we tried to do it, the band I was in, Sonic Boom Six, we, um, you know, we were just living off air. You know, we were driving around in a beaten up old van and living off nothing. And that was okay in my early twenties, but I don't think I could do that. You know, in my forties, right? <laughs> 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 Uh, um, yeah, so um, that kind of leads into just talking about the writing process. The first thing I'm curious about it, that was, were you writing when Vern was still in South Africa? 
Me, were you like sending stuff back and forth? Or? No, not not as a band or anything. I mean, I I think Kobe, you were yeah, piling up some I've, riffs I've and some lyrical ideas. I did the same. You know what I mean? Right. Just for the inevitable, whether or not it got used, at least we had you know some stuff that sure. we were working on, um, exercising our chops and yeah, and, and until Vern actually got here, and then we kind of just flipped the switch and got to work. Oh yeah. So what um what is your writing process? How do you guys do it? Um, it depends. It, it changes year oh. and day. Um, most of this was done. Um, it depends. Kobe can bring me some lyrics, yeah. you know, because he's a very good lyricist. Right. Um, and then he'll bring me some lyrics and I'll put some music to it. It's yeah. as easy as that. Or I'll tell him I, I need a song like this. I want this kind of concept Okay. about this story. And he'll come up with something like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of times it's just... Me by being by myself, you know, in my little studio and coming up with arrangements and everything. You know? Okay, so you got like a little home set up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's nothing impressive. Yeah. It's like a computer. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. it takes these that's days. It's exactly. exactly. you know? all you need nowadays. Yeah. Anyways, nowadays, yeah. as long as you have an input and a computer, you're good. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. There's some great tunes on here, man. Yeah. 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 My favorite is Married to the Road. That's a, that's a jam. <clears throat> Uh, um, yeah, so uh, something that I always like to ask musicians when they come on, because people usually have pretty amusing answers to it, is uh, let's go with separately first. Like, do you do you practice the bass? Do you, do you still practicing? Would you say? Yeah, yeah. I would say as a um, as a bassist, it's it's probably a little bit different. I mean, also I've, <laughs> I'm also one of the the few. You'll probably appreciate this, Hector. I, I'm one of the few. Basis, basis. I never played guitar. Right on. So I've always just been a bass guy. Yeah. Um, and obviously I, I understand, you know, very basic chords and stuff yeah. on guitar and I can communicate that, you know, properly. <laughs> but most of the time I find myself working on mechanics and, and, and bass in particular is a very stylistically oriented instrument. Sure. There's, there's, a, there's a ton of style in it. Yeah. So I find myself working on always tweaking my style and and other other than beyond like you know always like enhancing my theory you sure. know knowledge of that and sure it's, it's a very physical instrument the bass isn't it you know like yeah, especially if you're a finger player yeah <laughs> and, and you, i'm not too shabby at it but then if you put me on a three-hour gig you know an hour in i'm struggling you know? i don't want to carry well, that thing for three hours <laughs> exactly well, then, yeah. these guys, <laughs> then these guys got me on the uh, on the stand-up bass and now I'm, I'm, i've been getting into like slapping with that thing right. and stuff and so it's like it's like pulling on power lines i mean <laughs> yeah. like it's yeah. stupid yeah. but uh uh, yeah, we always joke around. Uh, I had to laugh when you were saying uh, when you were saying you know the theory, and you just kind of noodle around and don't really you know didn't really know all the notes and everything right away or anything. But I always have to chuckle because these guys, you know, we'll, we'll go to practice and then Ben will be like, "All right, so it's A minor to E minor," and I'm like, and all I hear is A blah blah That's it. That's all I hear. You know, <laughs> it's a it's a different. I've I've tried to explain it. If if you if you're a uh, like a basis basis, it it is a different way of yeah. thinking. Yeah. yeah. And and other bassists, I think, get it. You know, it's hard to explain to a guitar player yeah. because I don't even think most of the time when I try to explain it to a bass player, they're like, oh, "No, I, I get it. I get it. Say no more. Yeah. Say no yeah, more." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a but it, yeah, it's a very um, it, it's it, it's it's like a really spur of the moment sort of instrument where where you can have like it planned out in your head when you're playing something, and all sure. of a sudden you're like, yeah, "But what if I do this? And what if right. I do this? And yeah, what if yeah. I do this?" And and that kind of leads into like I was saying about style. Yeah. That's kind of what ends up, you know, breeding all those different styles of bass playing. And man, there are a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. What what kind of bass do you play? Uh, I I have quite a few. Um, I've uh, I've always been. I think I ended up settling on on being really a Jackson Charvel guy. Okay. Because I I I just I just like the necks. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way the, the, the low action is and, and it's, it's really, I think all in the neck, but recently I've been, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I've been playing this thing. It's called a Traven um, right. that I had bought off of a, a, a guy in a kiss tribute band, Neil in uh, kiss America. He was getting rid of it and, uh, it's called the flame bass. You see it in pictures. If you go on, I, I play it pretty much. That's like my go-to right now. But, uh, Man, it's heavy, you know, compared to like my Jacksons. My yeah. Jacksons are very light. It's it's heavy. Um, it is. It's an absolute. Just it's a bear to handle. Right. But there's something awesome about it because every time I play it, I feel like I'm in a wrestling match with it. I it's like a heavy bass. I like a it's, heavy it's hard to explain. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just it just gives you that feel, and it's got because of the sustain. It's got a lot of metal in it and stuff. Yeah. So. There's it, that goes in through the bridge, so there's just something about it, you know. Sounds I mean? cool. I got a stingray, it weighs a ton. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, have a, I have a Thunderbird that's like playing a brick with strings. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It sounds great, but it's so damn heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it lopsided. Really if you is. let go, it just goes. You like, got the nose guy. Yeah. 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 Talk about heavy. James's banjo weighs a metric ton. It's yeah, it insane how heavy that yeah, thing is. Yeah, his shoulder is just like, I mean, I think it's going to distort his spine over time. I, think <laughs> I would have never guessed a banjo would weigh that much. Yeah, well, it depends on the banjo. Really? His one, I don't know why, but he just has a particularly heavy one, especially if you've got the back on there, you know? Right. Some people play it without a back, and then it weighs nothing. It's all in the back. That's the heavy part. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Vern, uh, do, are you practicing at home? Are you doing much of that? Uh, every day, if I can. Hell yeah. Uh, but I do acoustic shows every day, so if I can try to fit in practice, I will, but... You play every day, do you? I, I just overplay on stage. Right, yeah, then, sure. <laughs> to get my practice, my chops on, you know? Yeah. And that's so also how I work on my singing, you know, I try new things and if nobody's listening, if yeah. I'm just background music. 100%. Or, yeah, I, lo I love those solo gigs when no one's listening, you know, you cool. can really sort of stretch out and mess around and play with stuff. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, I get quite a lot of practice done then as well. Uh, um, yeah. Um, Kobe, you, pr you still practicing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I, awesome. I, I, you, got, you got to. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I, You'd be amazed how many people don't know. Like, I asked that question. I wanted like eight out of ten <laughs> people don't. <laughs> You know, I, I played too this. much for me to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading this quote about some, an old cello player who's like 97 or something like that. He still practiced every day. And somebody asked him, they're like, uh, why do you still practice every day? Because I, I think I'm still getting better. Yeah, and I always try to, I try to take that with me. You know, just, you know, there's always something else you can learn. Even if it's not something like our band doesn't require a whole lot of sweet picking or anything like that. But, you know, every once in a while I still like, yeah. Let's try to learn a little bit of sweet picking. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's not going to make me a worse musician at the end of the day. Sure. Exactly. That's, sure. The, that's the mountain I'm climbing at the moment. Right. I'm, I'm get, trying to get better at that. Right. I bought myself like a, a metal guitar or Jackson, and I've just been trying to finally defeat sweeping. You know? <laughs> it's hard. Good oh luck. God. I, got like, I don't have a particularly big hands either, which is, doesn't help. Right, <laughs> right, right. But yeah, right. That's where I'm at with that. You know, I'll go through phases. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to get better at finger picking or like sweeping yeah. or like, do you know, like jazz comping or something. You know? uh, there's, there's not enough time. There, there's yeah. Not. You know, it's just like, oh man, I want to be a badass blues player. And then like, then you see like Randy Rhodes or something. Like, yeah. Oh man, I don't shred. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, what about time. bluegrass too? Yeah. You, exactly. yeah. <laughs> you just run down that rabbit hole. And also because I teach, I want to, you know, I, I want to have some, some a little bit of everything just so that right. you know if the kids like uh, uh, this is what i want to do but actually and i said this i've said this many times and i think probably more than once on here but 
the most profound thing anyone ever told me about teaching was Justin, the guy who runs this place, and he said, you know, if, if you're feeling a little bit, because sometimes you get a kid come in, you know, 16 years old, and you can just shred like a mother, you know, right. just insanely good. And, and, you know, Justin's advice to me in those situations was find out what they don't know, you know, just concentrate on what they don't know and teach them that. Like, right. it's not a competition, you know what I mean? You're trying to round them out as a musician. Right. And once he gave me that advice, it was 10 years ago he told me that when I first started um, at a different school. And, and, you know, I've just, I always think that, you know. But when I ever get that feeling like, uh-oh, like, you know, how, where, where do I take him from there? It's like, no, you don't have to add on to the end of the thing he's already super good at. Find right. something else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's the best advice I've ever given. That makes given. sense. Totally, man. Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, what's what's the plans for the band? What, what kind of uh, where are you, what do you plan on doing next? Um, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just we, we've got a full schedule, which is we're very blessed to to have that full schedule. You know, yeah, that's we've cool. got um, eighteen or seventeen or eighteen shows coming up in March. Yeah, March is insanely cool. busy for us too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good, great man. music month, March. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and yeah. thanks to Bike Week in Daytona. Yeah, we're getting a couple of spots up there. Oh, I can see you guys going down real well. Oh, there. yeah, that's gonna yeah. be really good. Yeah, for now it's just um, trying to get as many people as possible to. Listen to our original music. Yeah. Spread the word and just get out there, gig as much as possible. And yeah. then we'll get back, reassess what we want to do in the later part of this year, you know. Where did you record this? Um, the drums was done at Raincat Studios. Yeah, I know that yeah. place. Yeah, um, awesome. And the rest was done in my little home studio or at our studio where we re- rehearse. Yeah. My, um, the Skullpunk band I'm in did exactly the same thing. We, um, we, we, uh, so we recorded everything at my house, but then I gave the drums to a power station and they, they mixed them, did like an amazing mix through all their like, you know, nice outboard gear and everything and sent, sent them back with like a bazillion tracks, just sounding great. And then, um, yeah, I mixed the rest of it at home. Yeah, you can do, you can do it at home, can't you? Yeah. You know I mean? Well, everything was done. I mixed it at home too. Yeah, yeah and that's great. I recorded yeah. vocals in a... My closet, yeah, with a, with a packing blanket. Exactly. Me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It yeah. gets really hot though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you guys live? Well, I live uh I live in Stewart. Right. I live in Fort Pierce. Okay. Yeah, cool. I I think there's just so much good music on the Treasure Coast. This is called 561 Music, but like, you know, tons of my favorite bands around here are from further north, yeah. for sure. You know, it's just a little bit of a different field up that way as well. And I feel like Kilbilly's plays in the, on the Treasure Coast more than we more do more than here. we do here mm. yeah yeah that's the uh w- <laughs> that's how we are with the west coast like for instance we were just in naples this weekend this past weekend now we're heading back there tomorrow yeah and then we'll be in okeechobee on friday and but we we have a you know there's that old saying where uh you're not an expert until you leave your hometown yeah so it seems like it seems like all of a sudden we go out of town and like people are like oh they're back you know and yeah. but there's there's always that I don't know. There is something about, I guess, getting in a car, yeah, and just driving, even if it's like fifty Absolute, miles. I absolutely. guess that changes people's perception, at least subconsciously. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing that I don't think uh, it's is really can be explained thoroughly. You, you could just go a couple of towns away and and play a show, and people act like you're some national act or whatever mm-hmm. because they don't know who you are and you're not from there. You right. know, like there's this mysterious uh, it makes aura a, about it. Totally, it makes a huge difference. We're, we're going on tour in July, and from my experience with other bands and stuff like that, I just know it, it, 
You get a good reception when you go away, and then the re- then your reception when you come back is better too, mm. because people perceive mm. you as like a touring band. You know? Yeah, like you did it, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. totally changes everyone's kind of view of you. Um, and plus, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's not. It's you know, every little town's a little bit different. The yeah. culture is a little different. The people are a little bit different. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, have you got? Where's your favorite place to play? Would you say? Wow, that's a tough one. Same Fort Lauderdale has been really fun for us lately. Oh, you were yeah, saying earlier. We've been having yeah. a lot of fun down yeah. at Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, probably Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So what what kind of crowds do you get coming out to watch your bands? Is it is it like sort of Southern rock? Is it like a broad mix? Yeah, I would say it's pretty broad. Yeah, yeah we get, it's a little bit more older. Pretty but broad. Little, pretty broad. Lots yeah. of pretty broad. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a broad uh, audience, though. Yeah, there's uh, older, mostly bikers, but we've started to catch some attention from the younger crowd, which is kind of what we've been going for. Yeah. Okay. You know, you cool. want to get some little longevity out of uh this you know you want younger people that'll follow you through the years yeah sure. for sure so it's it's actually started to work out for us in that favor too so that's i'm that's just good. so kind of interested now that i've kind of heard a little bit of the story and the fact that the fact that you kind of headhunted Vern and you've kind of you know been sitting on this thing it's such an interesting story and you know it really sort of says something about your tenacity and your kind of like drive that you know you'd, you'd, you'd go that route with it instead of just you know finding some local guy you know yeah yeah i think that um i think when kobe and i started the band i i, I don't think i don't think the vision was was uh totally clear cut i think that there was a general direction that we wanted yeah, what would but you say w- that direction is? I, I, I for for me, I can I can speak from from my perspective. I wanted to put together a legitimately, you know, old school rock and roll band that was faithful to the roots of the genre, yeah, and presented something in the modern day that was fresh but familiar, yeah. And uh, as as far as when I heard Vern, it was it was. It was a done deal. I was yeah. like, I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I said to Kobe, I was like, he's the guy, period, yeah. period. He's <laughs> so the guy. Cool. He's like, so I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ditching this idea until he gives a no, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, messaging him was kind of one of those things where it was like, you know, well, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. And that being said, he is in South Africa, so what is he going to say? No, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know. You keep looking, but right. we didn't need to. I, ha- I had a feeling, and I think Kobe had that feeling too. Yeah, yeah. as soon as I heard his originals, I was like, "Yep, that's the direction I wanted to go." Anyways, I'm, I, I love Southern rock and stuff like that. So yeah. hearing his originals, that you know, bluesy core Southern rock, I was like, "That's exactly where I want to head." Anyways, so yeah, I mean, awesome. you know, you guys just come off like the real deal too. You yeah. all look look great. You know, you got like the proper like yeah. '70s rock band vibe going on. It's so awesome. You know, we got a lot of people on the show, and I don't know how. I don't know if we've had anyone who comes on the show looks more like a band than you guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's the hair, yeah, for real. Yeah, it's super. We, we walked in a bar, into a bar in, in Crescent City. I don't know if you guys ever played in Crescent City. No, where is it? It's about three hours north. Okay, probably four hours from here. Yeah, four hours from here. Probably. Um, it's close to Walaka. Right. No, they're right next to each other. Gotcha. It's awesome. Yeah. And we walked into this. This this bar and this guy says well, somebody introduced us as Switch and Whiskey. Hey, these are the guys of Switch and Whiskey. And this guy says, "You guys look like Switch and Whiskey. You know, like that's your name. Your like, image looked like the name." I thought, "Well, that's pretty cool. You know, that's yeah, what you want. A, you know, 
No, yeah. absolutely. And it's a big part of it. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. I, the the way that the band is presented and looks is, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not saying it should be, it's as important as the way it sounds. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Like totally. the whole image of it and everything. Like, what do you? Who did the, your videos? Because they're so good. Yeah, they're sick. Yeah. So, so uh, the 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 keep it in the red video um, was was done by our friend uh, Juan, uh, who actually is the lead singer songwriter for a Colombian death metal band, No Raza. Cool. Which you can go and look up. They're very, very popular. Okay. They've, they've toured all over. And uh, if you like death metal, definitely check them out. Yeah. Uh, but Juan's a very nice guy, and he's he's very talented. He this is he's he does graphic design and and uh, video production on the side. Yeah. And um, we when we wanted to do especially that keep it in the red video, we got with him and we asked, kind of told him what we wanted, and uh, he was completely down with it. Said he had some ideas. And uh, we kind of bounced things back and forth off of each other. And uh, we felt good because it was a fellow musician. Yeah. And because, you know, there, there was that part of us having never done it before. Yeah. We didn't know if going to another, stu- like a professional video production studio. It's like, well, d- can we convey what we really want to get across? We wanted to showcase right. the band, but we kind of wanted to just at the same time make it look like a legit rock video. No, I hear that. You I, know, so yeah. so having another musician being able to be like, no, it was it was a lot of it was synergy. He would be like, nope, I get it. I understand this, this, this. We do this. We do this. We do it. And um, it came out great. We were very, very happy. And uh, Juan is fantastic. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. be. You should be happy with it. It was. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And the on fire video was actually that was uh, all of our uh, footage from all of our different gigs. And was burn. that stuff that you had taken, or did he follow you around? Uh, no, it was. It was stuff that I think that all of our fans. Yeah, took. yeah, yeah it's fans. some of the stuff that we took, and then we took a lot of the because we've got the, that Facebook group, the the fan group. So everybody just posts their videos on there. So I'm like, that's great. Yeah, it's okay, but it's really difficult to find high quality yeah. videos like that. But <laughs> I took whatever I could, and I stitched it all together, and made it look cool. And you know. yeah, that's one of the things I was going to. Uh, I, I was just about to say is like it surprises me that that's just stuff people took on their phones and stuff because it's such good quality it's nice yeah. 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 Yeah, it was, it was I guess cool. he just must have brushed it up somehow I don't know but it looks great yeah um, alright well I think seeing as we're talking about it it's probably be a good idea to uh, to watch one of these videos and then we'll uh, we'll get back and, t- and uh, talk about what the song's about and, uh, and then take a look at uh, some of your gear and stuff like that cool cool right on <laughs> Married to the road 
free It's where I feel alive Yeah, I 
561 Music is brought to you by Handlebars Bar and Grill. It's a biker bar in Tequesta, and it has great food, great booze, um, and we do a bike night on the second Thursday of every month that has bands, and we on the, fo- the fourth Sunday of every month, I run an open jam. So uh, it has music, it has drinks, it has food, and motorcycles. What more could you ask? If you're a biker, you should definitely come and check it out. It'll be right up your alley. There's always real cool bikes parked outside, interesting old British ones and stuff like that. And even if you're not a biker, just come and hang out. It's the, a real local spot. It's been there for a really long time. It uh, used to be called Judy's. And uh, before that, it was under another name, but still a biker bar. It, it's just a piece of the furniture up in Jupiter Tequesta. It's on US 1. If you're heading out of Jupiter on US 1 North, you see it um, just coming up on your right there, a little yellow building. And, um, yeah, I've just been helping my father-in-law, who is the guy who reopened it, with the music and you know all sorts of other stuff when we first opened it i i helped him sanitize the place and and, and rebuild it but uh it's nice and clean and cool in there now and uh you should come and check it out if you've never been there it's one of those little gems it's very unusual little spot and uh i you know i don't think there's anywhere like it in the area it just has a real unique vibe so uh if you're looking for something a little bit different come and check out handlebars bar and grill you got to get uh, Switch Whiskey to do a, a bike night there. Yeah, yeah. we absolutely do. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Do, they do bike nights. Yeah, maybe I'll talk Thursdays. to you about that after the yeah. Uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, bring it on. Um, our uh, our uh, second sponsor today, uh, who is actually one of our festival sponsors, is uh, Backsavers and BacksaversLLC.com is how you can get uh, a hold of these guys. Uh, Dr. Christopher White is, uh, is the uh, proprietor and uh, lead uh, chiropractor there. Um, they, they handle, uh, all sorts of patients from, uh, you know, slip and falls and, and, uh, car accidents and that sort of thing. Um, these guys are amazing. Uh, my, my wife works at a law firm that, uh, that deals with patients that come from there all the time. And, right. uh, and, uh, I mean, Dr. Chris is like, just, he's just amazing. I mean, you I could probably use going in there. Oh God. Yeah. I, I've actually talked to him recently about it. <laughs> I probably, <laughs> I probably will go in there and get adjusted soon, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, my wife's been to him several times. Um, uh, they, she, you know, she goes in there, she comes out feeling like just a hundred, you know, a hundred million bucks, you know, there's a joke just, in there somewhere. We're not going to go anywhere near it. Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say something, but I'll, I'll let that one go. Yeah, <laughs> he's a fun guy. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, go check him out. Um, you know, if you need a back adjustment, if you've had a slip or fall or a car accident or anything of the sort, um, he can get you all straightened out and get you all all hooked up and fixed up, and uh, and and probably even send you in my wife's direction uh, um, for the law firm and stuff and Fantastic. get you all fixed up. So, yeah, and we we appreciate them uh, jumping on board and being our first festival sponsor. So Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah was, thanks was, so was, much for doing absolutely. that. Absolutely. So BacksaversLLC.com. Right on. Um, our final sponsor for this episode is Oasis Root um, Coffee and Carver Lounge. It's located in Seagrape Square, which is on Indian Town Road, uh, it's right next to alternate A1A in Jupiter. And it's a great spot. Carver um, is a little bit of a, you know, not everyone likes it. But I've got to tell you that this place, it just does it right. It's not fussy. There's not like a million different types of it. Very high quality. It gets it from a really good distributor. I was actually talking to him about it today. You know, he's saying that in the area, he's the only person that gets it from this fantastic distributor. And he buys the carver as root 
and then he gets it processed himself. The stuff you couldn't get, you you wow. can't find better quality um, carver in, in the area. It's really really good, and he also has you know a, a cram tea in there and coffee, and it's just a chill place. That there's a lot of these um, carver bars around that are, you know almost feel like a nightclub. You know everyone's sort of wearing UV and it's dingy in there and kind of weird and a bit awkward. But th- this place is chill, man. It's it, it's not that vibe at all. It's it, it's just nice sort of wooden bar and everyone's hanging out. You know, I go in there just to shoot the shit and hang out with people. It's a cool spot. So uh, if you're in Jupiter and you're looking for a place to go that's like a bar but no one's drunk, go to o- Oasis Root and <laughs> and uh, tell Jim that Ben sent you because he's he's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. All right. Well, we just watched uh, Married to the Road video. So uh, why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about what it was about, the video, and what was uh, the song about? So, uh, well, when I was writing this song, it was kind of a song for, you know, travelers, uh, you know, musicians, truckers, bikers, people that, you know, they're on the road a lot. Mm -hmm. And kind of the strain that it could put on a relationship with the person you have at home. So it's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. sometimes you got to choose either the road or, or the family and the... That's, there's the, a lot of truth in the that. The white picket fence life, that. you know. <laughs> so at the end of the day, married to the road, I guess at the end of it, it's, that's uh, kind of where it's leading yeah. in yeah. that direction. No, I feel you on that one. Um, I sort of had to make it... I, I was on the road 300 days out of the year for about five years. And then uh, I did kind of make the choice to step back from it but i did i was did it for a long time you know and it was cool but then when you you know i fell deeply in love with my wife and it's exactly that there, there was no way to con- to have a real relationship and be on away that much it's mm, impossible yeah. yeah you know and, and unless you just have this unless sort of fake real shell sp- relationship you know yeah find a special one yeah. yeah, if you find well, the right one. Oh, you can, you know, if you can find a woman who'll roll with your arrangements and come right. on tour. Yeah. But actually, I Chrissy don't think used it's a to real do that thing, a lot but... as well. Yeah, I've got to give Christy props. She was pretty cool with it, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that it's true, man. You know, the people who who do it for their whole lives, it's uh, it has to come first, you know? Yeah. The road yeah. has to come first if you're, if you're going to be that kind If, of if you want to make it, you know, you're not, you're not going to get big sitting on your couch at home or, it's you true. know living the nine to five day job and trying to do the weekend warrior stuff it's just not gonna pan out for you it's absolutely right so, it kind of it kind of reminds me i remember um on one of uh joe rogan's podcasts he was talking to uh this mma one of the mma guys that he had on and he said he was like yeah to be good at something he was like he goes you can be you know good and kind of do it three days a week he goes but if you really want to be good or great at something seven days a week he goes isn't it kind of like you almost really have to be screwing up other parts of your life? Yeah, and that's and and it's that's way that's way it is with anything that you know, yeah. like art, uh, professional sports, yeah. anything to really. I mean, it sure. comes first at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. No, it's, it's something true. to contend with all professionals. It's true, and the thing is, people see it too. You know, if if you're really hungry like that, that. The hungry band is the band that they're going to sign. The band that they're going to put on the festival. You know, that's the people yeah, that they're right. looking. Well, it shows. It shows, and it translates into the music. It translates into the performance. I yeah, mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no for doubt sure. about it. Um, so we got you to take a picture of your pedal board there, Vern. Can you tell us a little bit about it? You think? He's going to yeah. ping it up on the screen. There's not much to it, but my main. It's built around the HX Stomp, the Line Six unit, the yeah. one. The 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 green one there. Okay, what is is that a multi effects? 
Um, it's it's like an amp modeler, modular, a mod modeler. Okay, gotcha. You know, like a Kemper kind of thing, but it's it's the Line Six, you know, HX Stomp. Um, it's it's a powerful unit. It's got so much in there. Yeah. So I'm basically running uh, like a plexi kind of sound through it, you know, through okay. greenbacks. Yeah. But I run it through my Fender amp. So oh, my you Fender do. Amp sounds like a Marshall, you know. Right. And. So that's what I use mostly, and it's got my boost and everything, and then that little switch on just next to it, that's just adding extra switches to it. And then you've got the crybaby. Wow. Yeah, I like that idea. I cart around my G- Marshall JCM 2000 all the time when I played with uh, the Scarpunk band I'm in, and it's huge and a huge pain in the ass to drag <laughs> around. Yeah. The, and it's such a dinosaur. I don't, you know, barely any people use half stacks anymore. You know, what yeah, I, mean? I, was, you know? I was running yeah. a half stack for till about a month ago. Yeah, and finally I went down to a little Fender, you know, combo with the same style. He's got HX Stomp Crybaby. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think I like, like the sound more, and it saves so much space. Yeah, for real. And the great thing about the, those kind of pedals are, um, if your amp goes down, you can always run it direct. You know, uh, yeah, because yeah. it's got the the cab sims and all that stuff. Yeah, totally. There's there's a certain appeal to the, you know the, the big amps sort of coughing and wheezing into life. There's something it, cool about it. It is, but, but at the same time, yeah, the, the reliability is just not there. Look, a good example of that is we were all getting ready for it. We're playing with um, this band, Less Than Jake, on Fridays, a ska punk band from the 90s on their 30s thing. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we're, yeah, we're using our half stacks, and Matt's half stack in the rehearsal just kicked the bucket, and he just got it back from being fixed. Those things break constantly, you know? Yeah. They're like classic cars or something. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. just breaking them all the time. So, uh, yeah, at some point, I'm going to make the make the transition with Killbillies. We don't even use amps. We just go straight into the PA because it's acoustic. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So, have you got, um, in terms of your schedule, what, what have you guys got coming up? Well, uh, we're, we've got in March... Uh, we have like seventeen or eighteen shows. We 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 have we have one week now where uh, I think that it's that first weekend in March, continuing on through the second week. We play. Uh, we start out in Naples, uh, cross back over um, into Fort Lauderdale that Sunday. Right. That Monday we're up at uh, Cackleberry Campground up in Port Orange near uh, wow. Daytona. Um, that. Following Tuesday, we're going to be hopefully. I think it's Boot, Boot Hill Saloon. Boot Hill Saloon yeah. on Main right Street. there on Main Street. Okay, and then uh, we'll have Wednesday off. That'll be our rest day, and then uh, I'm playing Wednesday. Oh yeah, <laughs> Burn plays You're every a beast, day. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> respect, man. And uh, and then Thursday we're uh, we're back we're back at it at Cackleberry, and then um, and then actually we're going to be. That 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 Friday will actually be down at the Kelsey opening up for an Eagles tribute band. Oh, it's coming down here from New Jersey. So. Oh, awesome! I yeah. feel like the Thursday we're doing two shows. Yeah, we're doing uh, oh, yeah. Saint Augustine as well at uh, Colonial Oak Live Music Park up in Saint Augustine. Oh, nice! Yeah. It's a doubleheader that day. Cool. So, so Saint Augustine then Kelsey there. Yeah, and that's a big drive in between. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I remember one time right. I played in Manchester, and then as soon as we got off stage, we drove from the northwest of England to the Czech Republic, nonstop, only stopping to piss. And then um, we played a gig in the Czech Republic at a festival. Then we 
got straight back in the van and drove straight back to England to London and played a gig. <laughs> 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 that, that, in terms of just nuts driving, that's the that was the biggest one. You know, it was like married to the play road. a gig, twenty four hour drive, play a gig, twenty four hour drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun actually. You know, you can kind of make a game out of it. I it is. That. We, I was talking to Vern about that on the way down. I was like, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, if 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 and when if we do make it, you'll look back on those times. Like, you remember when we were driving around three vehicles all over Florida, four hours a day, playing eight, four hours here, there. You know, yeah. Totally. You look back on them fondly with those moments. You know? Absolutely. So when you guys are doing stuff like that, you mentioned three vehicles. Like, I mean, when you're going to like you know Fort Myers and St. Augustine, yeah. back, you guys you guys all drive separate. You don't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're uh, fortunately a, a band vehicle is not. Gotcha. Affordable, right? Not now. yet. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, but we're 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 working on it. When we're, we're doing local stuff, we all just meet on the spot. But we're fortunate enough that, um, so I I I was driving a car. I was driving a little I don't know sport, a little sporty uh, Cadillac or something. I was driving, and my wife had an Armada, and and I say had because I borrowed it once for the stand up base. And um, she's never gotten it back. Like, <laughs> so, so I, yeah, so I drive this Nissan Armada. And so when we do stuff like up in Melbourne and stuff like that, and it's, you know, it's an hour and a half drive or whatever, two-hour drive, um, we just all pile into the, to right. the Armada. Um, and then I put all the seats down except, like, the two front ones and then one seat in the back seat for Ben. And then all the gear. So Ben's back there with, like, the gear just surrounding him. You know, and my element back there. I love it. But it's great because we can fit that. We can fit the standard base. I, I, ideally, it's it works out for us because we don't have amps. Right. Um, so, but we have, we have like, the full PA. We've got the standard base, all the instruments, all the stands. Everything's in there. And, and, but, I mean, we make it work. So it's it's pretty awesome that yeah, we can all. Great. And it's good quality band time. You know, we shoot yeah. the shit and talk about band stuff. Yeah, and, I love all that band, yeah. you know, you know, band, band time. Come good times. Yeah, come Coming home from the gig, and you're like, man, did you see that girl's boob just pop right out? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good, good times, good times. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good wholesome conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hoped anyways. Uh, we're, we are. We, 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 we always joke because we're such a boring band. We get back to the hotel and like, we'll like sit in bed and drink tea and talk shit. You know, it's like, hey, what a nice evening we had tonight. Like, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't even drink it. Yeah, I mean, we don't drink yeah, at all. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's like we don't drink at the shows and stuff. And we're always like... You know, go up to the bar like, oh, what can we get you guys? Um, uh, t- two Diet Cokes and a regular water or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, there, there's always one person that just won't take no for an answer, though, like who just really oh, just yeah. desperately yeah. needs you to be drinking. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And you just like, there, was, there was this one guy at, a, I, I don't remember where it was, Brick and Barrel or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the guy we were playing. I don't even know. We were playing something like pretty slow actually, and the guy just kept pumping his fist five feet in front of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we finished the song, and he's like, "Rub and coke." He's got the finger guns and everything. He's like, oh, "Rub yeah. and coke, rub and coke." We're like, "No, nah, no, nah, man, we don't drink." He goes, "Brewski." Well, yeah, we still don't drink. <laughs> he just went every, every ten minutes to come back. Rum and coke. Yeah, yeah, he just was not taking no for an answer. So now rum and coke is the thing. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so in terms of our gigs, we've got um, I've got that Less Than Jake show at the Culture Room in Fort Lauderdale. With no on, Name Scar yeah, on Friday. Yeah, Friday the 18th. And then on Saturday the 19th, um, we've got two gigs. James and I are playing at the Square Grouper from 3 to 6 p.m. And then uh, the full band is playing at O'Shea's from 9 to uh, oh, 1 in the morning. And then on Sunday the 20th, I've got a solo gig at Cork in Hope Sound from uh, four to eight. Nice, yeah. So yeah. quite a busy weekend for me, at least. And yes. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. So thank you so much. For thank coming. you for having us, guys. You guys are really cool, man. Yeah. And, you know, so when he said if and when we make it, all I could think of was this when. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys for are going to sure. do it for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I appreciate that. That's. But when you make yeah. it. You need to come back on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can help us make it. Right, right. <laughs> bring, bring it. We and need to blow up the podcast. <laughs> this is their record, Switching Whiskey, Keep It in the Red. We were very kindly asked to play the album launch, and I made a giant fuck up and uh, <laughs> double booked the band. So that was super embarrassing. And I, I, I think I, I want you to consider this a formal imp- apology. <laughs> it was incredibly formal embarrassing. Public apology. Yeah. <laughs> Who has made a happened? double booking? Yeah. 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 No, it's true, but I really wanted to play that gig. I feel like a total asshole. Oh, we well. did really want it. We were really bummed when, when Ben said, oh, you know, I double booked just we can't play that. And we're like, oh, come on. Man. I know. <laughs> we, were, we were really looking forward to playing with you guys. Yeah, so, we were uh, looking forward to having you, man. Yeah, yeah, so, we so we'll have to make it happen. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be a fun fun show and the bands will just compliment each other so well. I think it's good well, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. yeah no doubt about it alright guys well um, yeah see you around good luck with everything I think you guys rock and we really appreciate you coming on thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having us guys appreciate it